Welcome to the scorching arena of valor and the crucible of courage. This is the Forged in the Fires podcast with Fireman Rob. Here in the inferno of life's greatest challenges, heroes are shaped and legends are born. Every episode is a torchlight of wisdom, casting a glow on the paths walked by those who've braved the flames and emerged stronger in this furnace of fortitude. We'll explore tales of resilience, bravery, and the unyielding human spirit. Each guest brings their own spark of insight, lighting up the darkness and guiding us through the smoke of adversity. With Fireman Rob at the helm, prepared to delve into conversations that smolder with significance and stories that kindle the soul. It's not just a podcast, it's a beacon for all who seek to rise from the ashes and glow with purpose. So stoke the fires of your curiosity and ready your heart for tales of triumph and transformation. The flames are roaring. The stage is ablaze. Welcome to the Forged in the Fires podcast. Let the journey begin. All right, welcome back to Forged in the Fires podcast. I'm your host, Fireman Rob. Today's guest is making a huge difference after a huge tragedy um, that she had to go through. Um, she is the the head, the inspirational leader behind Blue Cancer Connect. And I want to find out more, and I know you want to find out more, so let's, let's talk to Vicki. Vicki Speed, thanks so much for joining me today. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great honor. Well, you know, your story, the inspiration, all the things that you're doing right now are so amazing. And I always, it's always hard to go back to um, difficult times, but I want to, I want to start actually where we are right now and then we'll go backwards because okay. we'll just do it a little different, right, Vicki? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> why not? Let's do this. I, I want to talk about the Blue Cancer Connect uh, and the mission is to show empathy provide encouragement and offer support following life altering diagnosis of cancer. Tell me more about how important and how valuable that is in law enforcement. Well, you know, when I started this nonprofit and we are going to go backwards to get to that story, I really thought, gosh, if an officer or a family member gets a cancer diagnosis, you know, how cool would it be to maybe be there for him, give him some support, Uh, just maybe a little bit of, of input, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not, I'm not going to say I am, but what I came to realize very quickly was, uh, we are not talking about cancer in law enforcement specifically. And the need was so much greater than what I could have even imagined. So what turned out is, you know, really I thought was going to be something I was going to do in Southern California, which is where I'm located has now turned into something nationwide and it's, I'm still trying to wrap my head around all of it, but I want to do it all because the need is so big. I I love that. And you know, your passion behind it, your, your premise behind it is, is founded on a struggle, a struggle, a trauma that you went through. Um, Tell me more about uh, your amazing husband, Mitch and the, the trials that you had to go through to get to the, have this passion that you do today. 
Uh, well, first, I want to tell you about him. He just was, he was one of a kind. And I know a lot of, you know, wives say that when they lose their husbands, but he really was an original um, in the department, in the community, especially the younger deputies. He um, kind of had a very, you know, the childhood. He was adopted, raised by a single mother, had every oh, wow. reason to be a POS, um, really yeah. fought and struggled his way through life. And uh, he just found these outlets of how to become a better person. And, you know, with that background, going into law enforcement made so much sense for him because he knew he could change lives. He knew he could, those kids that were him, he knew he yep. could help them. He knew, um, he understood what it was like to be in the struggle and to um, not have the easiest life. And he wasn't, he didn't really share that a lot, but you saw it in what he did. And, um, you know, I just had heard the story the other day. One of his things was he was an incredible um, interviewer. He could always get oh, a confession. Yeah. And they couldn't figure <laughs> out. Yeah, the guys were like, we could not figure out how he did it. But I think what it was is he could relate to him on so many levels and he huh. really did care about people. He, yes, he wanted your confession, you know, your confession and that conviction because these were, you know, these were like murder cases and some pretty hardcore stuff, right. but um, he wanted to make a difference. So when he got done, actually, one of the guys just told me this a couple of weeks ago, he said, Vicki, when he got done, he would actually go back in and talk to him about, you know, how do we change your life now? How do we oh, turn wow. this around? How do we, um, where are you going to go from here? And you know, I had never heard that. I didn't know those stories, but I'm not surprised. And I think because he lived his life that way in every area, um, he left a larger than life legacy. And that's really what um, every day made me think, how do I honor his life and how do I honor his legacy? That's so huge. I mean, that's so, that's so powerful to have those kind of stories, like somebody who's giving back and then, you know, to, to be aff, uh, afflicted with cancer, like my dad had cancer and, and, and it's not an easy journey at all. No. What, what was it like when, you know, he was going through that journey? What was it like for you? Because I think that's a huge part of it that people don't understand is like, it's not just the person that's going through it. It's a lot of the, the people that are surrounding them have that same kind of um, struggle and, and challenge. What was it like for you when he was going through that? Well, I think as first responders, and you understand this, you know, as a wife, I your your husband has a Superman cape on, and right. um, they live that life, and so you just think that's how your life is going to be, and we were no different. So uh, when my husband was telling me he didn't feel good, he had just run, uh, ran Baker to Vegas six weeks prior. Oh, and he, yeah, he was a, he was a runner. <laughs> yeah. And he kept, you know, our big joke was he had just turned 50 and he was slowing down, but he'd been a runner his whole life. Okay. So, you know, six weeks later, he comes to my office and shuts the door and he really, he was very jaundiced and his eyes were gray and I knew something was going on. And he said, I, I don't feel good. Well, <laughs> you, you know, this when a man yeah. says, I don't feel good. You're like, oh, exactly. Boy. What do you mean? You don't feel yeah. good. Can you elaborate on that, please? Yeah. You know, I hear you there. <laughs> yeah, so you get it. I think all men are laughing right now. But oh yeah. <laughs> um, so we, uh, my one of my best friends is a PA, and I text her and I just said, "Hey, are you in urgent care? I think Mitch needs to come by." 
Uh, she wasn't, but she set up, you know, all of his labs and she said, tell him to come in. We'll start running some tests. And I really didn't think anything of it. And right. that was uh, May 6th, May 13th. We went in of 2016 and there was this weird conversation going on between her and Mitch. And, you know, we were like family and this eye contact and, I just kept thinking, what am I missing? Like, what am I, what am I missing? So the last thing she said was, you know, we need to get Mitch into the city of hope. Well, city of hope is kind of the best of the best cancer treatment centers out here in Southern California, but I still didn't get it. Oh, what do you mean he needs to get into the city of hope? Like it never even registered. So uh, she had stepped out. She got him in a week later. And I'll kind of go back to that, you know, getting in within a week was like unheard of. Yeah. She got him in a week later and uh, we walked out the door and my husband grabbed my hand and he said, you need to look at me. And I was like, yes. And he said, we will never ask why we're going to ask God to use us. And we are never going to ask why we're in this situation. Okay. Uh, So we go home and I had no clue my husband had cancer. I don't know how I missed this. I don't know if it just, I hadn't heard someone say you have cancer, but I still didn't get it. So we went in, um, they did the the, uh, tissue test and they said, we'll call you Memorial Weekend. And we happened to have company that weekend and the phone rang and we came back to our office and he put it on speakerphone and the doctor said, Mitch, I'm very sorry to tell you this. All 12 samples came back positive and you have a very aggressive stage four cancer and we need to get you in right away. And I heard nothing else. And I had some tears in my eyes and I couldn't even wrap my head around what was just said. Wow. That's yeah, that that first stage, that the first the the understanding of it. Now, when you look back at that moment, what do you what do you see as the the takeaways for other people to be able to understand like in those moments where you are told something that's life altering? What do you look back and you go, I wish I would have known this? Well, I think the biggest take from me was I knew my husband had known for a while and we didn't talk about this till much, much later. Uh, He had known uh, there were signs there that he really didn't feel good and was sick. And he chose to, um, we'll say, blame the job. You know, it was the stress of the job. It was the hours. Um, At the time he was on a, um, specialized team and he was running with, he was 50 years old and the average age was 36. And, um, he was a great street cop. He knew the streets and I know that's why he was on the team, but he had actually walked in and stepped down. I'll say quit. He walked in and quit. Um, he thought the job was killing him. And that was the August prior that that happened. And he just kept saying, it's the job. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. It's the job. And I didn't really know any of this was going on. Yeah. And, you know, looking back, I knew when that phone call came, there was no shock factor in his eyes. So I think it was much later we talked about it. And I said, you knew, didn't you? 
Well, he had told me, um, he said, well, Dr. Garrison called me when I was on the football field. He had actually gone back to be a coach at his alma mater. He said he called me when I was at practice and he said, hey, Mitch, you know, you have cancer, right? And I said, why didn't you tell me? And he said, because I just, Vicki, I was trying to process it. I already knew. I knew it wasn't good. I knew I was very sick. I didn't know how sick. But I think, um, you know, is it? there's a lot of first responder things in here that people don't understand. You know, being in this job, you try and protect your family. You try and protect your spouse. There's some, and I think this just yeah. carried over to that. You know, he was going to protect me. He was going to protect our son. Um, so until that diagnosis came, he just, he carried it. And it, it really made me sad when I realized that. Yeah. But it also sparked to me what our first responders carry. Uh, you know this, you do the job. Yeah. And um, that was very eye-opening to me. And it actually played a huge part in what I'm doing. That's that's so powerful that you say that because it's, it's something you, you mentioned earlier about the Superman cape. And I think that's a huge aspect of like, hey, you know, I'm going to have bumps and bruises. I'm going to have feel, you know, tired, exhausted. But it's so much more than that. It's so much more than just, yeah, this is just the job. Like you mentioned that Mitch was thinking it was. Right. How do you get, how do you start that conversation with a loved one? How do you start that conversation with a family member to kind of have them look beyond just that? Oh, it's just the job. Well, I think in what I'm doing right now, I call it the education piece. And I think it is so important to have this cancer conversation because we're not, we're not getting, giving our officers the tools. Well, we know in health and wellness, there's so many tools coming in, but my question is why is cancer not a piece of this? Why do we not tell them what to look for? Why do we not give them education so that you're not stage four, you're stage one, you're stage two, Um, why do we not tell them, Hey, yeah, you need to go get your physicals. You need to take the time to take care of yourself. Um, you know, when I saw what, I mean, cancer eats you alive. I, I, it's a shitty conversation. Yes. It's horrible. It was horrible to watch my husband die and for all of this to happen. But you know, that's where I kept saying, what if, what if we could bring education and what if one officer made a decision to go in earlier, they actually could beat this and get back to work. What if we could do that? That's such a huge statement that you just made. I love that because so many people look at it from a perspective of it's too big. It's too much, but it's so valuable that they see exactly. And hear what you just said is like, what if one, what if one could do this? How how much does that mean for you to just be able to have something that you put together uh, with Blue Cancer Connect to be able to say, maybe Mitch can help one person to to be better? How much does that mean to you? You know, it's the fuel that drives me. <laughs> I'm going to be really honest. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah, it really, um, there's just so much passion behind what I do, but I tell people this. You know, my husband didn't make it, but it doesn't mean that you can't. It doesn't mean that 
you can't, we can't start, start talking about this word that nobody wants to talk about. Uh, I had never heard the word cancer in my family, in my life. Uh, never in a million years did I think it would happen to us or to my right. husband. Or I tell people at uh, my husband passed, I was 53. At 53 years old, your goal is to not be a widow and start over. That's not even where you imagine your life at. So yes, it is It is so much fuel behind what I do. And I just keep saying, you know, we've got to give our officers a chance to live, to finish their career, to have a full career and to enjoy their retirement. And uh, yeah, this is a small piece of what it is they're doing, but I think it's a really big piece. It's a big, it's a big piece because everybody goes home. Everybody's got to go home. They've got to have a life after what they've given to other people. I want to kind of transition into this amazing book that Mitch wrote. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, I, 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 I got to um, How amazing was it that he spent hours and hours and hours writing this and intending it for family and friends to be able to read? The book is uh, Mitch Speed, The Man Behind the Badge. It's uh, available on Amazon. Tell me more about um, what, what it meant for him to write it, but then at the same point for you to be able to have this for the rest of your life. Uh, gosh, this, this is actually really exciting to talk about. So when Mitch was diagnosed, he had made a decision he was going to live. And he, I remember him telling me, um, cancer will not be front and center in our home. It won't. And right. he lived that every single day. He was the happiest man you saw. You wouldn't have known for a very long time that he even had cancer. And it was just a decision that he made in very Mitch Speed fashion. And it was, uh, he got diagnosed in May. And at the end of June, he said, I know this is crazy, but I'm making a bucket list. Well, we were not talking about death in my home. We were, we agreed this was, we were not going to get up every day and wonder, is he dying? Is he, um, and said it was, he's living. And Mitch would just tell people, my clock's ticking and I'm living a very full life. And we would leave it at that. So he told me he had a bucket list. And I remember we were sitting in our <laughs> courtyard. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, good for you. What nice. is it? Good. <laughs> yeah. He said, I know this sounds crazy, but I want to write a book. And uh, Mitch has been a writer his whole life. That was his therapy. He was a, wow. a musician, a singer. Uh, he wrote music. He wrote poetry. He wrote very talented man. Um, but that was therapy to him. So he didn't share it with a lot of people. Right. So we were on the porch and this is way back when like Facebook was like, you know, a super big thing. And he said, Vicki, I don't even know where to start. And I was like, well, I don't even know what to tell you. So I said, you know what? <laughs> Let's go on Facebook and ask for recommendations. So right. he's like, you know, what? what a great idea. So he put it on there and it was not even five minutes and I know you know who Adam Davis is. Yes. Adam Davis responds and he says, Mitch, I can write your book. So <laughs> they didn't even oh, wow. know each other. Um, that's how Adam came into our life. Wow. So uh, he and Mitch wrote this book and it was done and out by October. And the first run completely sold out. And it just, he had these massive book signings at Barnes and Noble. He would have, I mean, there were lines around the building and, you know, you're just like, who is this guy? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, and, so well, it, was a, it was a dream. And, you know, because um, my husband worked for LA County Sheriff's Department, and we've obviously been through a lot out here in Southern California between the suicides and, you know, this right. young officer that was executed um, in September. And a lot of these uh, men and women worked with my husband at both stations. And I actually felt really compelled to drop some books off. And I heard I heard from one of them and he said, you know, um, Mrs. Speed, (laughs) that book book changed. It changed my life because I didn't know your husband. I only knew of him. But we're going through so much. And those words meant so much because he did this job. And, you know, I'm like, wow, talk about a legacy. Wow. Wow. So huge. Yeah. And. And his words continue on. I think that's such a it's such a powerful thing to to understand that that not only his words are continuing on, but the message and the power that that's continuing on through you. What do you what do you see as your you know your lasting legacy that you want to have? What what is what is your book title? Um. <laughs> well, I actually, it's okay. It's funny. We're talking about this. You're going to be the first one to know. I am just about done with um, a book I'm writing with my husband. Oh, I so love yeah. I love that. Uh, yeah. Um, Mitch had, Mitch had a briefcase that no one was allowed into. Um, okay. It was his writings from his entire life. And obviously when he passed, you know, being a wife, I I was kind of curious to get in that briefcase. Now my briefcase. (laughs) (laughs) This is mine now. Uh, And it was like a gold mine. And I sat on it for, obviously he's been gone five years. I sat on it for a long time and I really didn't know like what I could do with it or couldn't do with it. And I now, when I started Blue Cancer Connect and it's just, I, I really want people to know who Mitch is, to understand the magnitude of what it is I'm trying to do and to help people. Yeah. But as I was around officers more and more and just, uh, you know, everything right now is stage four. All the officers we're helping are stage four, double stage four, wow. um, you know, fighting for their life. So there's there's really nothing easy right now in what we're doing. I asked myself, how can I bring them hope? Like, what could I do other than just talking to them or what it is we're doing or, you know, they need hope. They need, I felt like, I really felt like they need Mitch, but he's not here. So I had talked to uh, my publisher and we started talking about just cancer patients. And, you know, she said, Vicki, Mitch has so many writings. There's so much you could do with this. So uh, this book is going to be geared towards... Uh, I want to say hope and not just cancer. I think as first responders, it'll be really impactful, but it's really going to be for those officers and families going through just really tough times and especially cancer because he did write a lot about cancer while he was going through it. So uh, hoping to have that book out by the spring and I feel um, I'm honored you know, I tell people I'm going to co-author it with my husband. I think this that's is one, so of the, awesome. one of the greatest honors I can have. Yeah, that's so awesome. Well, what a what a what an amazing project! Make sure you go to bluecancerconnect.org. Um, where can what can people take away from your story 
and implement not not just a um, people who uh, went through um, something with cancer, but what can people take away from your story and Mitch's story um, to help themselves each day? Well, I think as I'm going to go into law enforcement right now, I think um, in my life and my husband's journey, we were so supported and so loved. And uh, there wasn't a day that we didn't have help or the department here, or it, it didn't matter where we were. We could be at the City of Hope and they would be there waiting for us, or he could be in surgery. And when I came out, there were 20 deputies standing there. And I think one of my greatest desires is to give that back to law enforcement. And then as, you know, we would start getting the requests and and they're coming fast and hard, which breaks my heart, but it also, you know, on the other side of it, you're so happy you have something to offer that I want to be able to give that to all departments and to show them this is how you need to embrace your officers and their families when they're going through cancer, because it is difficult it is painful. Um, it can change on a dime. You, I tell people, you can wake up and go to breakfast together, and by twelve o'clock, you're calling nine one one, and that's just how cancer works. And I think it just—it's made me so compassionate. It's made me understand. Um, as a wife of a first responder of a law enforcement officer, I need to make sure. Um, how, you know, I know I'm, I'm kind of bit off a lot here, but I, I want everyone in law enforcement to feel what my family felt and to know, um, you're not alone. That's the most important thing. You are not alone in this. That's so huge. And such a, such an amazing thing that you're doing. I, I can't tell you enough. I, you know, wish you the best of luck in continuing to make that impact, it's been an honor to have you on today, but you know, I, I can't leave you right here because I always have three questions for my guests. Are you ready? Vicky? Okay. I'm ready. Let me have sure. it. Sure. All yes. right. <laughs> you could go back to your 18 year old self and give yourself one piece of advice. What would that be? Probably pull my head out of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there is the quintessential. Uh, I like that answer. We're not going anywhere else but that answer. Yeah, that's that would perfect. Be it. That would that's be perfect. It. That's perfect. All right. Second question. So, uh, you know, everybody has their own struggles and challenges that they're going through in life. What would be two things, two habits that you say incorporate in this into your daily life and you will continue to move forward, to continue to thrive forward? Well, I know not everyone will experience grief. Um, it is. For me, it's been the worst thing that's ever happened to me. It's a um, a pain that I can't even explain. Right. But it made me realize um, the importance of therapy and self-care that I, I actually didn't believe in it before my husband died. He was very big into therapy. I was not. And it changed my life. Um, I'm five years. Uh, I still have a therapist. I still go once a month, especially because of what I do and I need to be strong. Um, and the other, the other one I believe is, um, is exercise. It's, uh, I am very, very committed to the gym. It's mental for me. I tell people it's my drug, it's my alcohol, it's my sugar. 
it's my um it's one of the reasons that i think i was able to pull out of grief i think it played a big role in it but i think self-care is so important and i would say don't wait until you have a traumatic incident um you know set yourself up to where that's what you know what to fall back on if god forbid something you know really horrific happens in your life it's so true i love that Last one. If you could have coffee at a firehouse table, in other words, you can ask any question that's going to be answered with three people that can be deceased or alive. Who would those three be? (laughs) Oh, I like that first response. Wow. That's a, that's a tough one. Well, Mitch would be one. I was going to, I was going to be a given, right? That's a given. (laughs) Gosh, yeah, who else would be at that table? Okay. It's not going to be an easy one. Um. <laughs> well, um, actually, Sergeant Steve Owen was was he worked with my husband. He was uh, executed when my husband. Oh. Well, my husband found out he was sick, and then um, Steve was executed shortly after that, and it was a very big loss for for Mitch, but. Um, I would actually love an opportunity to talk to him more in depth. So he would right. be one very wise man. Like it. You've got, you got two great men right there at the table. Yeah, I'm going to have to find, I'm going to have to think of a female in here because there's some powerful, powerful. So you said deceased or alive? Deceased or alive. Um, actually, I'm going to say one of my dearest friends, um, Sandra Johnson. She is, um, the epitome of rags to riches, poverty to um, self-made, and it never changed her. And I don't think you ever meet people like that in your life. That's so awesome. I would definitely want her at the table. I love it. I love it. That's a great three. I, thank you so much for uh, coming on today. Make sure you go to bluecancerconnect.org or also... Uh, go to Amazon. You can find Mitch Speed, the man behind the badge. Um, get your own copy and make sure you read it cover to cover. Vicki, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. This was such a great honor. Uh, keep doing what you're doing because you are definitely making a difference. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening and supporting the Forged in the Fires podcast with Fireman Rob. Remember, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And please share this episode with a friend or family member. To find out more about Fireman Rob, or if you have a question, go to www.firemanrob.com. Until next time, live your life forged in the fires.